Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Welcome to So I Got to Thinking, the weekly Sex in the City podcast where we take the iconic questions of Carrie Bradshaw and apply them to modern life and love. As ever, you are joined by Juna Dawson and Dylan B. Jones, and this week we are joined with by a very special guest. It is the multi-hyphenate content-creating internet mogul, Callie Thor. Hi! Welcome <laughs> to So I Got to Thinking. Oh, I'm so excited for this. You randomly were listening to So I Got to Thinking like way back in season one. Yeah. And and I saw you mention us in your Instagram stories. Yeah. And all of a sudden we had like a million new followers. And oh. I was like, what? What, what, what has happened? And you oh. always know. Like when your followers jump up, you're like, what has Dolly Alderton said this? <laughs> and you're and, and so it's like, I'm always interested, and sure enough, it was your recommendation. And then yeah. I slid into your DMs, and I was like, Callie, would you like to come oh, on the I was so I was so chuffed when you said that, because obviously, what it was, is like, my, my friend Mila and I started watching, um, we started re-watching Sex and the City, and we were texting about every episode, being like, oh my God, like, re-watch that, and it's so, I can't believe I saw that, and that really pissed me off, and and then we were going through it, and then someone actually DM'd me, and they were like, have you heard of this podcast? And I was like, no, and I started listening to it, and then I started talking about it, because I was like, just, actually, so many people are really interested in it, like, as in this concept of Sex and the City is actually quite interesting when you re-watch it again a few times. You see things in a completely different light to when you very first watched it. So, yeah, so, yeah, I was like, oh, yeah, definitely. I loved it. It's of its time, and the fact it's coming back has prompted a yeah. whole new conversation about it can't it can't get away with the things it did. I mean, and I think it would be true. I think it was somewhat true when they brought Will and Grace back, if they ever attempted to bring friends back. Yeah. Like, how, how are they going to talk about, I mean, it's difficult, but Chandler's dad. Yeah. Who is, who is clearly, who is clearly a transgender woman being played by a cisgender actress. You know, how, how would you, how would you do that in 2020? Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's what we're here for. Yeah. yeah. And which, which episode are we studying this week, Dylan? We are doing episode, season three, episode 14, Sex and Another City. We were in LA last week. We're still in LA. Um, shall I do the synopsis? Please do. If only I'll there go. was a phrase to describe our weekly synopsis. <laughs> oh, I know. I why don't we is. call it? Why don't we call it the potted synopsis? 
I think we should, because we've been doing it for about a hundred weeks now. Um, yeah. God, I can't believe we're almost at the end of season three already. Time flies yeah. when you're in lockdown. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so they're still in LA. Um, Carrie meets Vince Vaughn. I can't remember the characters. He's not playing himself. He's playing Matt Damon's... Keith. He's Matt Damon's, Keith. Yeah, Matt Damon's manager or agent. Yeah. Uh, um, PA. Keith. He's basically actually a PA. Uh, sexy, looking good, Vince Vaughn, I think. Mm. And then what else is happening? Miranda uh, meets back up with a guy who she knew from New York, thinking that he's going to be really cynical about LA like her, but actually LA has changed him. Um, Samantha meets <laughs> Hugh Hefner, and the girls get invited to the Playboy Mansion. Um, and Charlotte gets sick of Trey and comes out to LA to see the girls, which I love when yeah. she shows up. This one, so obviously we watch, we're watching them in order. So last week felt much more serious and much more sort of philosophical. And Carrie was having all kinds of existential drama about who is Carrie Bradshaw. This one is kind of pure comedy. Yeah. In that, like ev- every plot line is ridiculous. Um, <laughs> there, there is so much, so much to talk about. The question that we will... So in the second half, we will get to their big question, which is actually quite an interesting one, which is basically, is it what's on the outside that counts? Um, Which is really interesting. And that sort of taps into the notion that New York is this deeply intellectual, philosophical place, whereas LA is shallow and superficial. And what's on the outside is much more important than what's on the inside. So in the second half, we will get to that and we will talk about appearance because I think it's something that all three of us will have a lot to say about in terms of the way that people perceive you. Yeah. Um, but for now, in the first half, let's just talk about all the ridiculous nonsense, starting off with Carrie's, ca- Carrie's pubic hair. Oh my God, um, so yes. I'm, so it turns out, so I've done this this morning, I've spent some time researching pubic hair. Now, a Brazilian can mean lots of different things because actually nowadays, if you were to go down to your local um, spa, I guess, beauty salon and asked for a Brazilian, they would probably leave a little patch of hair. A landing strip, they call it. A landing strip. If you want it all gone, it's a Hollywood. Yeah. How funny. Maybe they rebranded after watching this episode. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Which is, it's, they're in Hollywood. So maybe they are. So, so maybe they did. I have a Hollywood. I actually have a Hollywood. That's my prefer- that's my preference. I do love it. Just get it all gone. Can't be asked with it. Is it more is it- comfortable? <laughs> is it more comfortable? Yeah, I just, I just think it's just like, oh, I just feel like whilst you're doing it, like just get rid of it all. Do you know what I mean? There's no point in leaving a little bit, and it's all just get rid all of it. You know, it's just pointless. I just yeah. think it just feels easier. I don't know, but I I just thought I was watching it again, obviously, because you said like you know have a recap and stuff, and it was just funny how like she was so shocked by it, and they were like all talking about it. Um, but it's like interesting because obviously people do have different preferences, but it's funny because now I feel like it's more normal to say you have a Hollywood, and people are really icky about pubes. So it's almost like before when we were watching that TV series years ago that they were almost like normalizing pubes. Whereas now it's like very, <laughs> people aren't like that keen on talking about it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's so funny. I, I was going to approach this question so tactfully to try, and get, <laughs> to try and get you to talk about your preferences. I love so much that you were just like, all gone. I want the Hollywood. Yeah. I've been mugged as Carrie Bradshaw would say. I, in my like sculpting, hair sculpting times, 
have like tried to sort of because I don't like to be I mean we're going straight in so what I don't like Let's to be do like, it. I don't like to be completely bare but I'm also not very good at like I'm not like a natural kind of artist like I'm not very good at like making <laughs> shapes and so yeah. in the usually I just like try and keep a little bit but then just screw it up and just think oh I might as well just get rid-. like it's all going it's all gotta go now because yeah. I've like screwed it up you see, I I fall in the middle of the Dylan and Callie spectrum. Right. In that, I, I I do enjoy a, like again a landing strip. I enjoy yeah. I enjoy kind of but now this is we we've all overshared so much this morning. Love it. There is a, there is a reason for this. It's because I have a mole that like um sort of just sort of above my pubic area, and oh. I I want I want it covered up. So I mean Fair I could enough. I guess have it I could have it removed, but I just can't be asked. But um, <laughs> so so I use a bit of a landing strip to hide to hide a pubic I, um, mole. I agree with Callie. I was surprised by how they were sort of talking about like a Brazilian as if it was like a sort of new thing, mm. almost. I think and at the I time was like, it was. I think it yeah. was a new thing. No, I'm saying also it's not the first time they've covered pubes and like that conversation in Sex and City because I don't know if it's in the later season, but Samantha has someone do a uh, a zigzag in the shape of a zigzag and like she realizes then he goes around branding basically women with this weird thing which is like kind of weird but I just like I do think it's like I think the thing is back in the day when that sort of thing happened like people weren't really talking about that sort of stuff so when you were watching it as a person just being like oh my god yeah like you can talk about this and this kind of normalizing it a bit but yeah it was for me it was kind of yeah eye-opening and like thinking (laughs) I but I did I thought of Brazilian until I saw that they rebranded it as Hollywood. I always thought a Brazilian was, was the landing strip thing. I never really knew that it changed, but it is interesting, isn't it? There's mm. now now if you were to go to a salon and ask for a Brazilian, they would likely leave a landing strip. If you were to ask for a full Brazilian, you might get a Hollywood. Mm. So very very complex. But I think yeah. as well, I wonder if Sex and the City picked up on the fact that women, maybe for the first time maybe ever were being encouraged to spend disposable income in a way that maybe they hadn't before because Mm. women were having children later. So you would, you know, it it became much more commonplace, I think, as as you went through the sort of 80s and 90s to, for example, go get your legs waxed, whereas previously that's something you would have done at home. And eventually leg waxing went to bikini waxing. And I remember my mum going to get her bikini wax done before we went on holiday. And then I guess the bikini wax evolved into pants off Brazilian wax. And I think as the industry, the beauty industry obviously has gotten bigger and bigger and bigger, you know, and now of course, if I was to say the word vajazzle, we would all know what a vajazzle <laughs> was. <laughs> and that, that's something, you know, that the, the beauty industry has continued to evolve. You know, yeah. eventually in a, in a couple of seasons time, Miranda, uh, Miranda, Samantha starts having Botox. Whereas, you know, at this point, Botox was... The, the notion of, well, what in a few years' time, we're all going to be having poisons injected into yeah. our face to keep us looking younger. And then yeah. that will be followed by having collagen input in your face as well. So the beauty industry has gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. And I wonder if it was the writers sensing that the beauty industry was, about to was, kick off. was changing in a, in a yeah. massive, massive way. And the fact that all, well, Charlotte and Carrie in particular are, startled that they would have a 
pube wax is is nuts <laughs> because now now it's we're all just like well yeah yeah of course, of course you would do that um so so we've got um carrie's bald vagina I mean, maybe, I mean, should, should we do a big feminist discussion about the politics of pubic hair? Do we need to? Or is it just about bodily autonomy? I think, yeah, I think body autonomy all the way, really. Because I would never judge someone. And, like, I would be, like, livid if my husband was, like, made some sort of comment about what he wanted. It's, like, it's not really his choice. But, like, it's just my decision. And I actually, I also have, like, in the summer I um started using, like, a what's it called IPL like at home IPL device as well on my like legs and stuff and like when I was like presenting it to my audience I was like oh you know you don't have to do this because you you do feel like you do feel like sometimes you're a bad feminist if you're trying to insinuate using beauty products but it's like for me it's like what's the difference with me wearing makeup and promoting makeup versus me saying I like to have my legs smooth because when I get into bed and I have fresh bedding I love that feeling on my legs <laughs> like that is literally like I know it sounds so futile but I love that feeling so it's just like things like that it's like you feel like bad but also it's like your personal preference and what you enjoy I don't know it's... 100% I'm right there with you on the fresh bedding on the oh, silky legs lovely. it is one of life's true true pleasures I have never known that pleasure there's oh. male there's ma- the opposite of male privilege for you yeah. <laughs> male disadvantage <laughs> not knowing you should try it just go try it. it give it a, give it a go and maybe I, think, I should I think Chris would love you to have smooth legs for a bit because it would be like you were like a porpoise or a dolphin. <laughs> that would, and yeah. that would be a, tr- a treat for him to imagine life with a merman. Do you know um, what is interesting? With the, I was thinking about this with the gays and with the gays, they, there doesn't seem to be an in-between. Like gays seem to love either really hairy or super smooth and like there isn't an in-between. I'm sure loads of gay men listening now will be like, oh, actually like it's fine, there is. But um, yeah, the, the kind of main, the two main schools of preference are like either really hairy or really smooth. Interestingly, things are trending towards the hairier now these days. Mm. Which yeah, is, but I we, do we, love we, hair, hairy men. Mm. I'm a big fan of hairy men, but we have staggered, <laughs> we've, we keep doing this. This is such a thing with this podcast, <laughs> which is quite idly, we have staggered into quite choppy feminist issues. Because, <laughs> yeah. you know, if this is something that is not affecting men and dylan you've just said this has never even crossed your mind yeah then yeah. i think bo- body hair is a feminist issue in a way that it's it's not for men and totally. you know i remember i still it was around the same time i really clearly remember julia roberts turning up at the premiere of notting hill with hairy armpits and, <gasps> and yes! everybody being everybody being scandalized that julia roberts would would have hairy armpits um and so body hair is it's it's a thing. And I mean, Catley Moran writes about pubic hair in How to Be a Woman as well. And she celebrates the full bush in a way that later on, yeah, Smith Jared prefers a full bush. Yeah. And so pubic hair will return to Samantha's life later as well when she gets, <laughs> do, um, she gets a grey pube. What do both of you think about, because you, you two will know this better than me. What do you two think about, like, what do straight men think these days about pubic hair? Do you think they're more evolved than before? Like, no, do I don't think so. Shit? Sadly, <laughs> my husband's like obviously just like whatever. Like he doesn't yeah. care, and he's always said that it does not bother him. But I definitely like you. Just know that there is some like I, you know, you see those stupid TikToks or like <laughs> like memes that come up on like banter bus Barry's Instagram or whatever, <laughs> whatever they're called these days. You know, and it's like 
But it's just, I almost feel like people tear it down quite quickly now. It's like what used to be quite common to make, like to sort of make fun of, like now people just like underneath like piss off basically. Because it's like, oh, I yeah, get, yeah. I, I saw it as well with people like where there's this new trend of like men saying that they like won't go down on women and stuff. And it's like, they they feel like it's a, it's a badge of honour. Do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, I don't do it. But it's like, actually, it just makes you just look like, a loser in my opinion I, just, I don't know yeah. I don't know why I just feel like it's just sometimes people just want to make a statement to make a statement for something that probably isn't even true like I don't think I think most of the time when you're in a relationship and you're comfortable with the person things like that just aren't that important in the end like they just totally you know, yeah I don't know I remember we find ourselves in trans corner I remember right at the beginning of my transition I thought if a gentleman caller was to see me with even the suggestion of a body hair, that would be the game over. And actually, it was actually one of my cis friends who once told me, she was like, no man is going to turn down sex because you haven't shaved your legs for a couple of days. They're just delighted to get the invite, kind of. (laughs) And I I I think that's true with pubic hair as well. I think porn certainly has created a sort of a very pornified body, which is always super, super hairless. And always, you know, if, if I'm ever watching porn and, and if a woman in particular has pubic hair, actually, if anybody has pubic hair in pornography, I'm always quite surprised. I'm like, oh, look at that. She's got pubes. Pew, yeah. Pew. Um, <laughs> and it's, it's a delightful surprise. So I think a lot of teenage boys who have grown up with broadband pornography are quite surprised when they see women with pubic hair yeah. to the extent where I know there's been work done in schools where a generation of boys didn't realise that girls have pubic hair because <laughs> their sex education had been largely delivered through porn. Do you remember that 80s um, that 80s uh, video that they... Well, I went to a Catholic school, so I think mine might have been different to like other scores but there was like a video they did which was like when a man meets a woman which is like obviously now we're like you know anyone can meet anyone but it's like when a man meets a woman and they want to they fall in love they want to have a baby and they they show like two people naked and the woman had like a massive like huge bush which was almost like they glued it on or something. And then, like, obviously the boys were just hysterical laughing, just being like, oh my God. Oh. But it's, but I think almost it's like, it's, it's, you see that and then they just think that's weird. But it's, I, I swear it looked like it was glued on. It wasn't, it didn't look real. But I almost think they did that intentionally because they didn't really want to show the, the woman's vagina on there, which is yeah. like, so it was almost feel like an intentional decision. But I just find that whole thing just so interesting because, yeah, like there was people in the class that were just like horrified. And I kind of always grew up around um, people in my like family, like we we, would would be naked. So it's not like I don't know. I just never kind of I wasn't that kind of um, weirded out by it like some people were. Um, and I, I guess that in a, as a plus size woman as well in particular which is my perspective when I was even talking about kind of like the IPL journey I went on a lot of uh, plus size women like feel extremely nervous um, about having waxing or anything like that done because they it's actually like a self-conscious area anyway but when you add that to being plus size and having to go into a, a salon where sometimes the beds aren't even designed for your body shape and they they're not you know they're not catered to like deal with some of the issues that come with being plus size. It's just it's just a very taboo subject. Um and so I had a lot of women write to me being like, oh it's it's such a like 
you know, I, I want to try and do at home stuff because I'm too nervous to do it actually with someone. So it's interesting how there are so many different pockets of perspective. And that, that would be 100% true for trans women as well. Um, yeah. For, so I, I've just finished Jamie Windister's book as well, um, the non-binary sort of creator. And Jamie was saying once as a treat, they took themselves to a spa and then walked through the front doors and was like, I'm literally in the most gendered place on earth. Yeah. And they just felt incredibly triggered and almost just got the fuck out, kind of. Mm. So, yeah. So I think it's funny that beauty is one of those sort of, it can be a very triggering yeah. Um, somehow we've managed to talk about pubic hair for 20 minutes. Amazing. Right. Why, why um, not? <laughs> l- l- let's, take a, let's take a break. When we get back, we will attempt to answer Carrie's question. See you in a second. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And welcome back to So I Got to Thinking. This week we have been watching the episode Sex in Another City, where everybody's in LA, and Dylan and I are joined by the wonderful creator, Callie Thorpe. Um, okay, let's get to Carrie's question. Yeah. So, given that this episode aired when I was like 20, I had never been to America at that point, and I wasn't aware that there was this cultural difference between... New York and LA I just thought like America is America right you know it's it's burgers and pancakes and Hollywood and <clears throat> and I didn't really understand that there was even some sort of discrepancy between the east coast intellectual and the west coast party um I didn't I didn't really get that there was a difference and so it was actually these two episodes where I learned that there is some sort of difference between New York and LA and this leads Carrie to her question she, she starts to enjoy herself in LA, basically. She's looking very tanned. She's wearing her lame bra and gold boots. And, she's going and... to airport-sized houses with Vince Vaughn. She's, oh she's God, living please. her life. And that she house. Starts... Oh. oh, It's very Selling Sunset, if you've never watched Selling Sunset. <laughs> um, she starts to wonder if there is a future for Carrie Bradshaw in LA. Maybe it's time to give up the hardened New York vibe and just 
marry this supposed Hollywood agent and live the high life. And Miranda, Miranda is having a journey of her own as well in that she meets a guy who used to write for Letterman, who is now, I think they insinuate he's writing for Friends, given that he writes about penniless 20-somethings who live in lofts. They say something like, yeah, three friends in a loft or something. One's an angry waitress. In like a multicoloured... And it <laughs> yeah. was written by Jenny Bix, the episode, who writes for Friends. So ah, it's definitely... Ah, there we have it. Yeah. Um, I quite fancy Letterman Lou. I, ca- I can't deny that I don't fancy... He's called, <laughs> the actor's called Sam Cedar. Um, and um, similarly and Miranda starts to adopt his LA state of mind the kind of quite zen very <laughs> yeah. positive it's yeah. when Charlotte does arrive in LA and she confesses that oh my god you know Trey and I haven't had sex and and Sam's like well why didn't you tell us and Miranda's like who, who are we to judge you everyone has their own <laughs> path and yeah. I love I love and LA like, uh, LA she's, Miranda she's, yeah she's um, LA Miranda. deeply cynical to Deepak Chopra I was saying that I was just gonna say this episode particularly interested me because if you remember when I first DM'd about it and you said which one would you would were drawn to and I and I actually love season three but this one called out to me specifically because of Miranda's friend character because um it made me it like talked a lot about kind of this kind of idea about um the body obsessed LA, which is obviously the idea of which we're all kind of put across with Hollywood. And I'm sure it was like this, but I, I've been to LA and it doesn't feel like that so much anymore. I don't know. I didn't obviously go when I, when that, it was like that, but my favorite part and favorite scene of it all is when she meets her friend and he's like completely different. And she's expecting to basically like take the piss out of LA and that, you know, how, how, how embarrassing everyone here. And he's like, let's have a, a drink at this green tea place. And then they go for dinner. And I don't know if you remember this bit, but they go for dinner and she, he's lost like loads of weight and she's like, he looks so good and whatever. And he sits down and he cuts his steak. He takes a bite of the steak. He chews it, chews it, chews it. And then he spits it out into tissue. And she carries on as normal like, in the middle of conversation, and she's like, "What are you? What are you doing?" And he's like, "Oh, you don't. You what? You like? You think I can eat like this and look like this if I eat like this?" And like, basically, he has like this massive disordered eating issue where he doesn't eat food anymore. And I remember watching that, being like, "Oh my god!" Like, so actually, I thought it was quite cool that they covered disordered eating for men because that's something that you don't often see in TV shows. But as a as a person that's always kind of struggled with food and stuff, like witnessing kind of those ridiculous behaviours that I have also done throughout my life to kind of maintain what I think is the beauty norm, it just was really interesting. And I was and like it's then she realizes just how ridiculous it is, these kind of pressures that he they that LA has put on this on this person. And it just like it kind of really solidified the message they were trying to put across about LA being this kind of soulless body obsessive image obsessive place versus New York which is eat the New York steak you know it's funny because I think this show because I literally just watched it before we've before we've gone live and it seems to me very prescient in that it kind of foresaw the whole wellness wellness thing and you know it's there is such a fine line it's like a pubic hair there is literally a pubic hair between what is common sense healthiness for your mind and body and your mental well-being and then you tread over the line and you're into some really damaging stuff about clean eating and you know and and, you know it's kind of oh this is problematic and um I was talking about this I went for my government sanctioned walk at the weekend with my friend 
and we were talking about sort of like online personal trainers that have been keeping us busy during lockdown and my friend was like "Ooh, you want to be careful of her she's got some very funny things to say about food and because I'd just been following her workouts I hadn't really been looking at her diet plans or food plans and she's like yeah they're fucked they are fucked and I did I looked at them and I was like oh my god yeah that's and I guess really there's, not good I guess I guess the problem with this online stuff as well is like there's no what's the word regulator Nuance. there's no like there's no one like check the like there's no one to say this is all bullshit um so I guess you do have to be careful oh it's interesting how we all kind of saw this in our own different ways I with the um Miranda and her friend who she met up with again I kind of was relating it to like um he was like saying he was so glad that he'd left like the rat race of New York and gone to like um kind of hippie-ish well-living LA and I kind of compared that dare I say it to moving from London to Brighton a little bit <gasps> oh, <laughs> how yes. very dare you but yes um, yeah. <laughs> but Brighton doesn't have that Brighton definitely doesn't have that like superficial nasty element no. Brighton is no. all like Brighton is all loving um, but yeah it made me think and it also made me think like um, I saw a headline the other day that made me sad that is London's population has dropped for the first time since the 80s because everyone's moving not everyone but lots of people are moving away yeah. for obvious reasons um, oh, I can see that just because it feels mm. like, especially when you're in lockdown, I mean, we're we're lucky we've got a garden, but we never had before. Like, we only just recently moved here about two and a bit years ago, and we never had a garden. So I can totally see why it can be quite damaging to not have access to, like, green space, and London can be quite congested and overpopulated and all those things. But, yeah, it is, okay. London itself, I see where people meet, like, that's what I mean about um the idea of LA and, like, People go to LA because they want the nature, but then also when you go to LA, it's not quite what they say it is. Because I've was I've been to LA and I didn't think I would like it because I've always been because I've got all those all, all those perceptions of it from what I've seen on TV and obviously a lot yeah. of what we see about US culture is on TV and film, so that's mostly our understanding of it. But I actually really loved LA, but I do think it's funny how they always say like you can go and it's like hikes and nature and things but then you go and there's like to get anywhere it's like a solid hour and a half in a car anywhere yeah. and it's just like I've there's traffic that. everywhere and it's like really polluted and um obviously the beach is nice but you, you know there, there's just things <laughs> that it's like funny how things can look appear different than they are and they all kind of hold up but I actually would love to live in Brighton so I feel like maybe <laughs> in the future that's something I could would see myself doing I think there's, there's a definite there is, and I think it works both ways, because I think London people, to try get them down to Brighton, you've really got to, like, dangle a carrot on a stick, kind of like, oh, but why do we have, we have everything in London? Why yeah. would we ever need to leave London, ever? Whereas then you, I think the difference is, once you leave London, it's the pace. And I think Brighton has everything London has, but everybody's just stopped caring. Yeah. It kind of feels like, you know, I remember when I moved, so I went from Brighton to London and then back to Brighton. And I remembered when I got to London and a lot of my friends were like, oh yeah, I've got to get up at six to go to the gym. And I was like, why? Why would you do that? That's insane. I was like, have a lion. Yeah. And, and there's just a real sense of, oh, because so many people do come to Brighton from London, a real sense of been there, done that. Like yeah. I've yeah. done my 10 years in London mm. and now I'm just going to chill. And just yeah. like, oh, like we, we sometimes look at the pace of London and just, oh my God, no. That's yeah. what made no. me, 
That's what made me think of it with this episode. It was like the rat race versus the chill. Like that, mm, that yeah. was the element. Um, definitely. Also, the, the food, the health thing is very common. The the health plate, like it's in London's like some unhealthy place. And it's actually not like, I, I, if I think about the access, you have to literally so many diverse types of amazing food here. It's like actually incredible. Oh, yeah. The bit on them, on there's this part on the episode where they Charlotte's ordering food and she's like, can I have an egg white omelette with a side of fruit with no grapes? And can I have uh, mushrooms? <laughs> yeah. And then the woman's like, do you want them steamed? Because they, like, they reduce the calories. And it's like, she's like, I love it here. And it's so funny because... <laughs> Like obviously, LA is known for its like ridiculous excess, all, all, except yeah. like all healthy kind of salads and vibes. But I actually thought that was one of the best, one of the like best devices they used to convey what LA was like. Was when yeah. the waitress you expected the waitress to like look at Charlotte weirdly, but actually she loved it and she was like, "Oh yeah, great!" And you can do this as well. Like I, I'm sure that's like so LA. And like of course, of course, Charlotte loves LA. <laughs> yeah. I just thought that was just so poignant of like the whole situation but you know I think as well it kind of conveyed this obsession with with health and well-being and like how as a society we're deeply obsessed with that like I actually just this week the last couple of weeks I announced I was on the cover of Cosmopolitan UK which was an an issue all about kind of health and well-being and it's so funny I've just had like a succession of the four weeks of solid abuse basically because people said I shouldn't have been on the cover and it just just remind me of like there are these kind of very strict camps it's like you can you can or can't participate and I get that vibe they were trying to put across as like you can't you can't be like that if you live in New York you can't be a person that likes is like Charlotte you have to be a person that's like I'll just do whatever I want and I'll go and get a New York slice and in LA you couldn't possibly order a pizza like it's like this idea of people just kind of stick to these kind of concepts and they never move in between. And so it's just interesting watching that back and being like, we have literally not changed. We're still there. <laughs> mm. I'm so glad you brought up the Cosmo cover, Kelly. So I wanted to, because I think that ties really nicely with Carrie's question, which is where people have seen you on the cover of a magazine and decided based on how you look, how can you possibly be healthy? They don't yeah. know you. They don't know about your lifestyle. And I think it relates directly to a lot of the conversations that we have publicly about trans people as well, whereby we are completely judged, usually on our bodies. Mm. And the hysteria around trans men and trans women, or the repulsion that we read about in some of the tabloids around trans people, again, is based solely on the outside. It's based on our how we look, or the surgeries we've had or haven't had. And so I think Carrie's question, granted she's talking about a fake Fendi handbag, but actually I think it's a really big question. Yeah. Because, you know, marginalised people are constantly judged on what's on the outside. So it is a big problem. Yeah, it is. It is like being on kind of, the funny thing was there was 11, there was 11 of us that I did the main cover with two other women and then there was 11 of us in total, but there was only two kind of really plus size people that were in there. And the two people that were plus size have been absolutely annihilated. You know, I've I've, I've had to kind of, I, I actually was kind of suffering quite bad with mental health during it because I was in lockdown and I was watching as like Good Morning Britain was like ripping me apart, um, all these different TV channels and people asking Ugh. me to come on and debate my humanity about why I you know, am or am not healthy, but also people just don't read. Like the concept of what we spoke about in that was that 
it doesn't matter essentially I was saying it doesn't matter if you're healthy or not but we need to be open to you know in having inclusive spaces and also for people to be able to explore this no matter what but in part, the problem is with we're still living in this very stereotypical judgmental society where we demand that whatever we do is the right thing for everybody else. And it's not, it's not like, like exactly what you said is like this obsession with knowing like, is a person, does a person dress this way? Do they look a particular way? And that defines their femininity or whatever. It's like, no, it, it's should, we shouldn't, we should be having conversations about how we can improve well-being and like also just stop cyberbullying full stop because quite honestly it's disgusting the way and it's actually risen during lockdown I think because people have mm. had more time on their hands and they're on yeah, their phones yeah. constantly and they are looking at the people's lives and projecting things and I understand like it's hard it's hard out here it's hard watching as everybody you know people you think has have everything and you don't have it but we just ha- we do have to have this conversation, and this episode kind of really, I think, was a really good one for p- pinning this idea of like, bod- like this image obsessed society that we live in, and how that drives such terrible stereotypes and bad judgments and and the mistreatment mm. of people, really. Mm. Yeah, again, it's a shame. It's a shame. Although actually, I really enjoy this episode. I think it's a really fun episode. But again, mm. it doesn't. It doesn't go there in terms of uh, Carrie it doesn't even enter Carrie's head to ask the question in a more meaningful way no. um, about kind of she doesn't even really attempt to counter it by saying you know where where is the truth or where is the kindness or the empathy or the compassion um, I guess th- the episode resolves itself when she finds that she wants something more real yeah, and by the end, by the end of the episode, all four women are desperate to get back to <laughs> New York, and I, I guess not because LA is bad, but because they have seen a facade, I, I guess, and and Carrie in particular gets lied to, which is again, yeah. she kind of what Vince Vaughn's character does is really shady in that he kind of oh, lies yeah. to get her into bed, um, and that kind of she does, she kind of lets that one slide. Slightly, the fact he's completely misled her into thinking that he is certainly a lot wealthier than he is or has a lot more influence than he is. Um, he turns out, um, Vince Vaughn turns out to be Carrie Fisher's assistant, which is an amazing scene. And um, then Carrie Fisher's like, <laughs> Carrie's, Carrie Bradshaw is like rabbiting on, like, I'm Carrie Bradshaw, I'm blah, and Carrie Fisher just looks at her and she's like, I have a kid, I can't do this, like, get out of my house. Just, yeah. I just I just love Carrie Fisher so much. To say she's in one scene, she does so much with her um, one moment. Yeah. Like, um, oh, it's so good. I had a thought about, a, another thought about the appearance thing. Um, it's interesting that we've all had tastes of this. I guess it comes from, like, working in and around the media, partly mm. as well. And I think what you said is really important, Callie, because I think a lot of people, me included, sometimes it's easy to think like, oh, it's all fine now. Everything's really inclusive. Yeah. Um, and it's all fine. Um, but actually, it's not. Um, and I, I, was, I was just thinking about it with my own experiences. And I thought it was interesting when Miranda said um, to the guy, to, is it Lou? Lou yeah, yeah New Lou. York, when she was like, you don't need to look good. You're a writer. From 10 years of working in gay media in London, you do need to look good if you're a writer. It really helps. (laughs) So that's interesting. Um, A lot of of gay publications, I think, I'm not going to name any names, but certainly 
um, have hired based on looks. It, it applies to women as well. I oh, mean, completely, When, when yeah. you look at authors or journalists who've broken through, um, look, at, look at them. They tend to be very young women. They tend to be in their very early 20s. And they, they get booked for BBC Breakfast. And sometimes, and I had a very worthwhile conversation with an author called Samantha Shannon, who is amazing. And her novels, she writes incredible fantasy fiction. But the story about Sam Shannon when she got her book deal is she was 19 years old. And, and so they booked her to go on BBC Breakfast to be like, oh my gosh, so you're 19. And, you know, nobody was interested in what she had to say. It was all about the fact she was a young, very pretty woman. Um, and, you know, we see it, in, you know, kind of from Florence Given, Dolly Alderton, um, Scarlett Curtis, you know, very young, sort of very photogenic women. Um, it, it helps. And, and, you know, and that's, that's not to say they're not incredibly talented writers. They've coined they something are. on that. They've coined that now as pretty privilege. <laughs> Someone coined something <laughs> saying it's pretty privilege. I, I like, I don't know about you, but I'm obsessive TikTok. I've become, I spend ridiculous amount of hours on that app. And <laughs> after I promised myself I wouldn't, now I love it. It's like, so it's actually really, if you're on the right pages, it, it shows you what you enjoy. And I, it's obviously lots of um, kind of, political commentary comedy and that sort of thing and it was like someone did this thing which is like tell us you have pretty privilege without telling us you have pretty privilege and it's like silly things like that but it is true I think people I think anyone would be lying if they would say that it isn't easier your life is not navigating your life as a beautiful person that's socially acceptable is way easier than anybody that lives in a marginalized body because every single step of what you do as a person that is naturally beautiful and kind of owns a room when they come into it. It's much harder to be, you know, size 26 and, you know, be some exactly what happened, which was people were like, why are you on the cover of Cosmo? They should have had a healthy person. But like, let's be real, they weren't testing Kate Moss when they were putting her on the covers of magazines <laughs> to see if she was healthy when she was doing different covers. And like, I'm not, who am I to judge whether or not Kate Moss is unhealthy? But like, if you were to, if it's like kind of double standard, it's like, if people say they care about health, then why don't they, why aren't they like health betting everybody? And that means like, mm. you know, if they smoke 60 cigarettes a day or do lines of coke, like, I don't do that. And, and I'm told I'm not healthy and I shouldn't be on there. But it's because my body's larger and someone says that, I'm, you know, promoting obesity, which is just the most ridiculous thing in the world. I just, it's just interesting how people don't realise just how much harder it is when you aren't socially acceptable and what kind of reaction that brings on somebody. And I, I also have to admit that I suppose I do have my own privilege in the body positive community. I'm white, so in in itself, that's a bit the biggest privilege I could possibly have. And I, I think I when I first started, I suppose I kind of fit that socially acceptable plus size, you know, pretty brunette, you know, that kind of, call myself pretty, but you know, do I have pretty, pretty privilege, Callie, pretty, you know, pretty privilege, <laughs> but like, it's like, it is interesting. And like, you do step back and you realize that it's actually kind of shocking the way that people discredit other people because they don't fit this kind of standard. And I think we all need to move past this idea of telling people, oh, but you're beautiful. It doesn't matter, you're beautiful. It's like, it's like, what if you're not beautiful? Mm. And when I say that, I don't mean like beauty, beauty within. I'm talking about like what traditionally we see as beauty because everything changes. Like, you know, back sen many centuries ago, it was so beautiful to be my size. There was paintings adorned yeah. of women in my body shape. Now people see me as a disgusting, obese, 
terrible person that's promoting bad health. But like that just goes to show you how the wheel's constantly changing. Like there's always a new change. Like, you know, at one point we moved from the Kate Moss heroin chic to Kardashian curvy, big bum, yeah, yeah. voluptuous breasts. Like it's always, they're always changing the dial. Like we can never, ever win. Basically, and it's so frust- it's so frustrating that people don't realise that the only reason they think what they think is because they've been told to think that. Like yeah. they don't actually like. Do you know what I mean? Like they're not really thinking for themselves. They're just like, oh, that's I've seen that. That's bad. Therefore, it's bad. To, to finish on, <laughs> and it just keeps getting more problematic. So who should we, who should we pick on first? There's both Vince Vaughn and Hugh Hefner. Equally oh. problematic, if we're honest. Vince yes. Vaughn is a massive is a massive. I didn't realise this. Vince Vaughn is one of very few Republican voices in Hollywood. No. Big, mm, big oh, Donald, Trump, Do- Donald Trump fan. Oh, no Vince. way. Mm. And who then else there's... is? There's Chris um, Thingy, who's in the event, who's in um, Guardians of the Galaxy. Isn't he a... Chris Hemsworth. Well, c- c- Chris, Chris Pratt. Hem- it's Chris the Pratt. Pratt. It's, he, so he is married to now Arnold Schwarzenegger's daughter, and obviously Arnold Schwarzenegger is Republican, but he is a much more moderate Republican. Oh, so, 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 so I think there's been rumours about Chris Pratt. He's pro-guns, pro as is Vince Vaughn. Vince Vaughn has stated very publicly he thinks that Americans should have a right to bear arms. Um, so I think Chris Pratt is somewhere, he's, he's quite maybe what in this country we would call a shy Tory. Yeah, in that he's kind of like small C conservative, um, but even more problematic is Hugh Hefner, and I know since this episode aired, um, Samantha's idolization of Hugh Hefner has aged poorly. And mm. um, when Hugh Hefner died, various women came forward and said that he was very controlling and manipulative towards women. Yeah. he often pl- plied all through the seventies and eighties plied women with drugs to make them more compliant, particularly Quaaludes. Um, Linda Lovelace um, of Deep Throat fame, Linda Lovelace um, suggested that he had sexually assaulted her. Um, so I think we should be very cautious around Hugh Hefner. Yeah. Do you know what? Do you know what? I, I um, speak, speaking as a man, um, I, I kind of excused it in this context because it made sense in context. Like, Samantha in the early noughties would have idolised Hugh Hefner, I think. Samantha's character would have. Therefore, like, it made sense within the confines of that character. I think she would have because she has always appeared the sex-positive person in the, in all of the, se- like, mm. every single series. And actually, when you look back, like, she's probably one of the least pro- problematic out of all of them because of the fact that she's <laughs> yeah. always been very, like doesn't matter what you do like just as long as you're doing it for you and you're happy and she's always been very pro you know positive about sex and you know like she doesn't shame people for their decisions but I do think that kind of yeah like the way also the way that we look at that kind of idea of of a man owning a mansion where he just gathers women to basically be and it's like this idea of him like the, the the scene when they're just like there's just women surrounding him around that is huge it just it just feels quite I don't know quite, quite icky to me it's interesting that in that like 20 years ago that was considered like glam wasn't it mm. and like fabulous and now we watch it and we're like ooh mm. <laughs> old man yeah. yeah I mean it is it is and I think Playboy continued to get naffer and naffer um, yeah. because it couldn't 
almost the the level of extremism that you can find on the internet made Playboy look quaint and charming. And I think you saw a little bit of that in this episode where you're kind of like, you know, it's just, it's almost a bit seaside, isn't it? Just like sexy ladies in bikinis with big blonde hair. (laughs) And then it, it became even more apparent. I think five years later, along came the house bunny. The, yeah. the movie with Anna Faris, which sends up the Playboy in an even more camp and kind of, I think, I wonder if pornography on broadband rendered Playboy harmless. Yeah. And and I, th- I think we would need a whole second hour to talk about how, how harmless from a women's rights perspective it ever was. And of course, yeah. Glo- Gloria... Famously, in the 1970s, Gloria Steinem went undercover as a Playboy bunny. It was one of the things that kind of pushed Gloria Steinem into the public eye, which is she exposed Playboy as being, treating women very, very badly. Mm. Um, so I, I'm going to say, I shan't, I shan't be lighting a candle for Hugh Hefner, but it's nice, you know, again, with, with this podcast, we kind of, we do shine a light on the feminist credentials, but certainly this is not the worst it's not the worst offender in Sex and the City. One thing I one thing I will say, biggest mood of the episode is Charlotte sitting by a pool at the Playboy Mansion talking about David Hockney. Like <laughs> amazing. Oh my <laughs> like god. With a drink. Just like talking about David Hockney. So well their good. swimwear, their swimwear and their oh. cover ups were so iconic. Oh when, yeah. When, when they all walk in, in their maxi dresses. Yeah. yeah. But also, isn't there a, is there a bit when they talk like she's gets Samantha's talking to someone about like who did her boobs or something? Is that is that a thing? I just did I completely make that oh, up? Oh, that's that's later. That's... That is from I do remember that, but I don't think it's from this one. But I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's interesting. I love it when I love it as well when she's saying when Samantha feels thinks one of them has stolen her bag. Oh my and god! And she's like, <laughs> and she's like, it's the one that says "Made in China" with loads of condoms in it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that is so that good. that whole bag thing is a funny little moment actually when she buys the bag and the, with, with all the dogs, the dogs attack yeah. her when she's getting it. But I also yeah. I also love that like Samantha's very clearly not a snob. Like she doesn't give a shit. She's like, who cares? Like I just, yeah. as long as it looks like it's not fake, I don't care. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Carrie, who has been carrying around Christian Dior handbags now for three seasons, suddenly can't afford a Fendi handbag. It's like, <laughs> yeah. mm, hang on, hang on a minute. She has a wardrobe full. Of Dior saddlebags. So, but maybe interesting now that she's decided to grow a conscience about, um, no doubt, sort of slave labour and child labour and <laughs> yeah. fake handbags. Um, but yeah, no, I think in the in the end, we, we always finish up by attempting to answer Carrie's question. Is it what's on the outside that counts? No, but it's also completely inescapable. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it absolutely <laughs> is. But it's, I actually yeah. am like, I'm just so bored of it now. I'm honestly like, I'm at the point where I'm just like, can we move past this, please? Because I I just don't understand why we're so obsessed with how people look. Like, what has that got to do with anything? Like, truly, like, that's why people are saying this, uh, the Clubhouse app is doing really well at the moment, because people are saying it's no faces, it's all voice, and people actually having conversations and you know, you don't, you can't put a name or you can't put a face to someone what they're saying, because I do think like ultimately having platforms and having large followings and all this sort of thing, like I definitely have done it myself where I've gone onto a person's page and I've looked and thought, 
well, they have like a big following or whatever, and they've got a blue tick, like as if that kind of separates someone from being better than someone else. But actually, that's actual, that's bullshit, really. Like, what is that about anything? But it does, these things do come at you um, subconsciously and you don't realise. And it's definitely something I'm trying to work on, especially with kind of the work that I've done um, in the body positive community and the, and the work I'm doing is like realising that we need to make a space where we don't, you know, it's, I, I try and limit the amount of times I'm always saying like, love yourself and, you know, you know, you're beautiful and this and that because it's like that we need to we need to have like deeper conversations that deal with other issues that aren't related to image like we need to get to the nitty-gritty of like understanding that it doesn't actually matter if you aren't attractive or aren't beautiful or don't have all these things it, it matters about like what you bring to the world like what you have to say and and how you can make impact and how you can make a difference and how you and also just like how you are is completely okay to do whatever you want. Like my belief has always been, and I've always been taught this since I was young, is that no matter, as long as someone is not harming someone else with what they do, as long as they're not racist, homophobic, sexist, transphobic, just let people live their lives. So long as they're not causing anyone harm or breaking any human rights laws, let people be. Like, I don't want to, I don't, I don't, I think we've become obsessed with critiquing other people to the and like deciding what we think is the version of something for us and it's like just let people do what they want and quite frankly mind your business really like it's just ridiculous some of it absolutely well, that is the best thing i've heard all year yeah. oh. <laughs> we we've we've just we've solved the world you That's are welcome that. world <laughs> um, Callie, thank you so, so much for coming on to So I Got To Yeah, Thinking. thank you. you. You have been an absolute revelation. Oh, um, thank where, you. I love where, this. Where <laughs> can our followers find you online, please? Um, so I'm Callie Thorpe on Instagram. And I also have another page, which is called The Confidence Corner, which is a page that I created specifically for women on a journey to women on a journey to finding confidence and, um, you know, specifically plus size people that feel like there's no space for them to be honest about certain things. And we're actually launching like a membership space um, shortly, which is a space for people to kind of really delve into these subjects a bit deeper, actually, on in a private, more kind of safe space. Um, and that's probably about it really but please if you ever have a slot free again I'd happily come on I love I absolutely love Sex and City so I would love to I, I truly like I really there's so many episodes I enjoy and I've loved chatting with you both you're so ace loved it oh, oh thank you so absolutely. much you are welcome back literally any time yeah the, any, any episode that flags and you can't get someone in just give me a ring you know <laughs> I'm there we'll, we'll hook you up I'm clearly not busy <laughs> Suck it up. <laughs> None of us are. Yeah. Please do join us next week when we will be watching season three, episode 15, Hot Child in the City, which is another one of my absolute favourites. <laughs> um, you can find us at SIGTT Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. And don't forget to subscribe and we'll see you next week. Bye for Bye. now. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping 
and 365-day returns. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.